welcome to the Atlas Leadership Podcast. I'm Angela Schlotman. And I'm David Johnson. Our goal is to connect you each week with other experienced leaders who share a passion to see our communities thrive. So as you navigate these times of disruption, we hope that our time together will inspire and inform you for your journey ahead. Well, Angela, I am super excited about our guest today, Amy Jacobs yeah. from Share Charlotte. And uh, Amy, she began her career at, at Bank of America in 2001 in global technology and operations. And then around 2015, uh, changed really her pursuit and uh, took her passion of philanthropy and bringing her professional experience of, in operations and marketing to the Charlotte nonprofit world. And we are grateful for that. And in 2018, became the executive director of Share Charlotte. And uh, so, yeah, welcome. Amy, we're glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Well, and I'm excited to, to see you again. I know you and I met, I think it was about a year ago, went over to your office with the big, bright yellow wall. Yep. And uh, I just loved our interaction that day. We were meeting about something else, but just how the conversation went, how we talked about collaboration, and um, was just really impressed by how, even in our conversation, you showed your, your leadership skills. So I'm excited to be able to uh, learn some more things from you today as we chat. Well, thank you again for having me. Yeah. And before we get into a, a lot of the conversation, let's start with, tell us about Share Charlotte. You know, how did it, uh, how did it start and what exactly do you all do uh, yeah. for the city? So Share is building a better Charlotte by empowering nonprofits and helping people invest in their communities in ways that matter most to them. And so we have really specific programming for our 400 plus nonprofit partners who serve Mecklenburg County. And every day we're elevating their needs and amplifying them throughout the community. And then we are a one-stop shop for our Charlotte neighbors to find um, their favorite cause and different ways that they can support the nonprofit community. So it's all about civic engagement, meeting people where they are, um, whether it's that the fact that they want to just get to know an, another nonprofit or a different cause, whether they want to donate money, their time, purchase an item off a nonprofit's wish list, um, you know, attend an event. There's just a variety of ways that you can get engaged with the nonprofit community. And we want to make it fun, simple, mm -hmm. and easy for everyone in Charlotte to be able to do so. Yeah, well, we, we appreciate what you do. Uh, you it's do super fun. Job. And yeah. this is our eighth year. We're eight wow. years old um, coming up here in the fall. So uh, we, we are a small but mighty team. We love our work and um, we really love this community. So I, I know you just said you work with quite a large number of nonprofits here in our community. And in the midst of the disruption we're walking through right now, um, are you seeing any trends? Is Are you and your team noticing just some things that are happening that are impacting a lot of nonprofits? What, what are you seeing? Yeah, so I think uncertainty about the future is really the biggest and um, most glaring trend that's occurring right now. A lot of nonprofits are asking themselves, are their missions going to be as important, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of um, post-COVID-19 specifically, but also just during these uncertain times? Also, is there going to be enough funding to continue to operate through the end of this and, and through kind of implies that it ends, but it, it doesn't sort of really end. Our world has been changed mm -hmm. forever. We just don't know in what capacity, right, quite yet. And they're also asking themselves if there's going to be an appetite for donors and funders to contribute to their work on the quote unquote other side of this. Mm -hmm. And so uncertainty is, is really huge. From a trend perspective, 
we immediately, especially when um, communities started to shut down in response to COVID-19, the need for food became drastically Mm -hmm. apparent in our community and across the nation um, and really across the world, just access to food, especially with schools closed and um, the inability to bring volunteers in. And so, you know, pantries and other food organizations were forced to distribute food without help. And so that was a huge trend that we noticed. And then access to technology, especially for virtual learning. Mm -hmm. So it really widened this gap of digital access for students and other people who just don't have access to technology um, or the internet, not just for learning, but for virtual wellness visits. So physical and wellness visits, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of nonprofits had to turn to technology solutions to to fulfill their missions during this this time and not everyone has a cell phone or a computer that can access that. And then lastly, nonprofits who depend depend on memberships and ticket sales for in-person activity, Mm -hmm. um, they're experiencing extraordinary loss of revenue during Mm -hmm. this time. So some of the things that we have taken for granted forever, there will always be, you know, the place to go to see a show. There will always be um, the YMCA to go work Mm -hmm. out. There will always be volunteers available to help was stopped overnight, Mm -hmm. seemingly. Mm -hmm. So nonprofits have been forced to figure out what to do with that and how to kind of navigate through this um, during this time. Do you know, um, are are the agencies you're working with, are they trying to stay in contact with their volunteers? Because you're right, a lot of them can't go and you want to maintain those relationships. Yeah, so. so that is critical. And that is one thing that we are recommending to all the organizations who are turning to us and saying, you know, what should we do? Mm-hmm. Um, just because your, organi- your volunteers are kind of sidelined right now does not mean that you should stay out of touch with them. Yeah. They want to hear from you. They desperately want to help you, but mm-hmm. they can't right now. So how can you keep them updated about what you're working on? how you're still fulfilling your mission and creating interesting ways they can help you even from their home Mm -hmm. is one of the big trends that we helped kind of um, champion this summer – I'm sorry, this spring through ways that even if it's not necessarily exactly mission aligned, Mm -hmm. it's still a way to help from home and you still feel like you're giving your time and talent in service to a cause that you love. And I mean, a a crisis is disruptive, but uh, as I – tell my team at Silent Images, it also presents opportunities. And so I'm sure you've seen creative ways that nonprofits have begun to pivot. Uh, you know, I, I tell my team that there's always a season of, of bailing out, right? I mean, we've kind of been yep. in that for the last couple of months, like grab your bucket, bail out the water, <laughs> keep the boat floating. I love but, that visual. But now we're setting the sails and the winds are blowing in a different direction. But now let's, let's, we're no longer, some of us are not bailing out with buckets, but now we're going, okay, let's set, let's set our sails, but we kind of have to now see where the winds are going to take us and, and redirect. And so what, what pivots have you Mm -hmm. seen from nonprofits that are creative and healthy without compromising their mission? And you don't, it's not mission drift, but I'd call it a mission shift. It's very intentional. Yeah. So fundraising is really tough right now, Mm -hmm. especially if you rely on spring and summer events and even fall events to some capacity. And so um, people still want to give. It's just a matter of you can't host this event where many nonprofits shine in person. You can Mm -hmm. really see their mission and what they do. And so we've seen a lot more organizations pivoting to digital events with varying Mm -hmm. levels of success, Mm -hmm. of course. So it really depends on your how creative you think through this virtual experience. Your donors or whomever the event was focused towards, you need to try to recreate as much of that experience that they would have had in person as you possibly can right on a computer. And so one example we recently saw is a small organization hosted about 100 of their top funders, and they they had a speaker. They had a really engaged speaker that was on a Zoom call. 
But before the Zoom call, you still purchased a ticket mm-hmm. and um, made a contribution that way. And then you were mailed a dinner kit and mm-hmm. it had a local meal inside. It had not just that, but it had a branded uh, wine glass. So it had the branding on it. It had a vase and a flower. It had your personal name card mm-hmm. in it and like a placemat and a, a napkin. And so as you were unpacking this kit and setting it up on your table, you kind of felt like, right, you were there. And it was very intentionally mailed right before the event so everybody could show their um, their setup on, on the – on the screen, that takes a lot of time and energy. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has the creativity or capacity to do something like that, but that was really interesting and it and it recreated a little bit of what that would have been in person, um, which was really cool. Technology, creativity also, leveraging technology mm-hmm. to serve clients. I've never heard the word telehealth or telewellness <laughs> until the last yeah. few months, but organizations are really thinking about how they can connect with their clients, still provide a lot of their counseling services and their um, just inspirational connections through computers mm-hmm. and different creative ways that they can do so. So whether it's create, doing an art project together while you're on the computer or whether you're experiencing mm-hmm. some music together, um, nonprofits are getting really creative with with telehealth and wellness services. Um, and then finally, we talked a little bit about virtual vo- volunteer opportunities. They've been really popular mm-hmm. and a great creative way to engage both your audience and new audiences. For example, there were about 45 bicycles that were donated to an organization recently. And typically they would lean on their corporate partners to send 20 people over in a warehouse to put those bikes together. Mm-hmm. Well, they can't do that right now because many corporations, you know, you just can't gather. Um, so we were brainstorming and we suggested that they put out an all call for 45 families to come and pick up each bike, mm-hmm. bring it home and assemble it together with their family and then drop it back off. Not nearly as efficient, of course, right? But these 45 families might have had no idea what that organization Mm -hmm. does. But now through putting a bicycle together, they can have a conversation at home. It's something that people are looking for stuff to do, Mm -hmm. especially with their kids home. And so so they did that. So they they did this bicycle activity and now they have some new relationships that they didn't have before. So just thinking outside the box about how can I still accomplish what I need to accomplish – but in a completely different and creative way while engaging people that maybe don't know anything about the work I do, but can certainly Mm -hmm. do this mini project for me at home and then connect with me. Yeah. That's awesome. So there's, there's a programmatic, um, component to running a nonprofit or running an organization of how you do all these things. But then there's also just, um, the character of the leader and their capacity to lead. And you obviously interface with hundreds of leaders, uh, in our community, um, without necessarily naming names, are there, are there characteristics or people that you have seen really step up and lead well, navigate well their teams, their um, sphere of influence in the midst of this disruption. Absolutely. So staying connected is the most important thing mm-hmm. during this time. And there have been some organization leaders who have really figured out great ways to do that, both with their volunteers and their staff. And I think um, my earlier point about having a really conscious communication stream, sharing a lot of information, almost to the point of you think you're being annoying, right? But there are some organizations who have volunteers who are heartbroken that they cannot be there to help with the mission. And so keeping them engaged on how many meals are being packed and prepared, you know, by the temporary staff that's that's been hired to support that work while the volunteers have to stay 
on the sidelines has been really, really important and helps them remember that they're so valuable. And as soon as they can get back to work, right, Mm -hmm. they can dive back in. I think organizations that have been really honest, candid, and authentic during this time have really elevated themselves to um, just how well they're led by these professionals. Um, There's been several organizations that have very candidly shared how they've been financially impacted during this time with huge audiences during in podcasts or on calls and things like that. Um, And they've been really honest about what it means for the future of their work. Mm -hmm. And if their donors don't or can't step up to help get through this, you know, what that means for them, um, especially, you know, arts organizations. They're really, they've got, some of them have huge staffs that, that that you know, their, their operating expenses every month are astronomical, but that was okay because they were bringing in ticket sales and all kinds of other revenue. When that stops, you can't just not pay the creative people that keep your organization running. And so those leaders who have gone on to be really bold and say, you know, here are my operating costs and here's how much money I'm losing right now. Do the math. Help me out. Mm. That That's really powerful because people are always, you know, as 501c3s, we can always um, go online and find out what operating budgets are, right, if you really want to dig through someone's 990. So that's not like it's confidential information, but it's not something we get on conference calls and say, here's how much money I make and here's how much money I'm spending and here's how much it costs to run my team. But people are stepping up and doing that to help others really understand the impact and appreciate what this is doing to many organizations, many of whom have been on this kind of too big to fail pedestal, right? Um, I think the 2008 uh, banking um, challenges taught us that there's no such thing as too big to fail. But um, but it's really just a, a great example of organizations that are really struggling. Um, and then and I think the lastly, uh, it's time to think like a startup, no matter who you are. So if, you're, if you've been in business for 100 years or if you've been in business for two, if you can't start to think about what entrepreneurial things can you lean on to start to think about how to navigate through this, you're going to be in trouble. It doesn't mean completely rethinking your mission, of course, but thinking about things like new revenue streams is really important. So if you typically made money doing X and X isn't going to be allowed for a while, what is Y that you can still do to accomplish? Just like a small startup organization would think about, you know, we're so excited for what the work we're going to do, and but how are we going to pay our staff and how are we going to pay to keep the lights on in the building? That's now a conversation for organizations that have never ha- or haven't had those conversations in 100 years. And so thinking like a startup, I think, is really important during this time also. So I know you and your team are incredibly skilled at what you do. And even as you've just been sharing, you brainstorm with nonprofit leaders. You really are helping them in tangible ways um, navigate this crisis uh, that they're going through currently. Um, But I'm sure sometimes when you get on a Zoom call or a phone call with someone, what comes through to is a tired nonprofit leader who is weary, who is exhausted, who is just not sure what is going to happen next? What what advice would you give? What would you say to that nonprofit leader that is just tired and weary right now? I would say your leadership is arguably more important now than ever. Mm-hmm. And the time to just really dig your heels in and, and find that source of energy and passion that you had when you initiated your career in the nonprofit community is critical at this point. Strong leadership is what's going to make or break organizations right now. And, um, you know, now is the time to drink extra coffee if that's, you know, what you need to do. Uh, But really just be that charismatic, 
present leader that you know you need to be for your teams. And um, I've heard many people say in conversations over the past couple of weeks about how the nonprofit community might matter now more than ever before. And I find that interesting because we've, you know, having challenges in your community is not something that's new. We're having a really challenging 2020, as we all know, but nonprofits aren't going to matter less when we come out of this. There are going to be not, if not maybe more social issues, they're more exacerbated, right? We now have a better understanding of truly how many people can't get online to learn um, from school? How many people don't have meals that are dependable that when school is taken away that, you know, so there are challenges that our community is going to face that only the nonprofit sector is best equipped to handle. Mm-hmm. So there's this fear that nonprofits will be obsolete and not necessary going forward, but I completely think it's the opposite. I think the need for them is going to be so much more important. And I really hope that donors and foundations and corporate funders recognize Mm -hmm. that while they also might be experiencing financial hardship from everything that's going on in our world, they really need to continue to support the nonprofit community and maybe even dial that up Mm -hmm. in the future so that nonprofits can navigate through all of the social challenges that will happen immediately, again, quote unquote, after this, and for months to come. We still don't know the true impact of this on domestic violence, um, on foster situations, on abuse, um, on uh, substance abuse and mental health and things of that nature. And so we'll we'll be learning about that for months and years down the road. And the need to support that's only going to be greater. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're, you're spot on about the executive directors and the fatigue. And But the, the good thing I'm seeing is also there's a fresh collaboration because no one is too big to fail. Everyone's feeling similar pressures. And uh, so I'm, I love seeing the kind of refreshing collaboration that's beginning to happen uh, when leaders kind of look at each other. And even though we can't meet for coffee, um, there are phone calls happening and things that uh, I think on the, the tail end will, will leave us stronger. So... We like to end our podcast with a, a three, two, one, kind of uh, three uh, shorter questions to you um, and maybe a little more personal behind the curtain at share some of this. Uh, you have a fantastic team over there. And I know we've talked a lot about caring for the leader, but how have you cared for your staff? Because everyone's tired. Uh, they're in this, this kind of chaotic shift. They're looking to the leader. Um, and there's a lot of serious things happening, but you also want to keep it balanced with fun and passion and energy and creativity, and uh, what are, can you name three things that you've done at SHARE to kind of just keep your staff on mission and energized? Of course. So one of the things is to continue to create an intentional environment of camaraderie, mm-hmm. of we're all in these trenches together. So whether we're physically together at our offices at Huga or whether we're virtually together working every day um, on group chats, group text messages, you know, you name the technology method and we have tried it, it's really just, you know, continuing to keep with the um, spirit of what Share Charlotte does and reminding each other that the work we're doing is really important to the community and despite being tired and sometimes cranky, um, that, you know, it the community needs a, a convener a, a now maybe again more than ever. So they're doing really important work. Um, I'm also really involving them in major decisions. We get on the phone as everything, every day I feel like we're making major decisions these days. But the team, I want them to feel part of the decision-making process. Not that the board and myself 
create something and impose it on them, right? We're all, we're all part of the small team and everyone's input's really important. I have some young women on my team who are in their 20s and um, two of which this is their first job. And so they don't yet know how it, it works, right, in a professional environment like this. And so I think setting the expectation that their, their input is important is really important. Um, and then lastly, we share all of the stories that we hear with them. So when nonprofits send us an email and say, hey, I met a new donor through this promotion, you know, thank you so much. Or when a neighbor emails us and said, I had no idea that this cause served this community and I just connected with them and I'm so grateful that, you know, you have a website that can enable me to do this. All of those testimonials and stories we share with the entire team all every time we get together. It's really important for them to connect back with the actual humans that are being impacted by their work and not just thinking about running, right, a web company. Um, I heard someone say recently that, uh, you know, the layoffs are terrible, but but the good thing is there's a lot of really highly, highly qualified people who now can be hired. Uh, you've done a lot of hiring, and you've hired a fantastic staff at SHARE, and so I know you've had some experience kind of looking for new hires, and pretty soon people will be looking to hire. What are two things uh, that you are kind of must-haves when you sit down and you interview someone and they go, these are two things I look for immediately? So I thought about this question a lot, and I think my retired banker self might have a little bit of a different perspective than my current nonprofit community self. I think from the nonprofit community, one thing I've learned is that a a passion and um, just heart for our community is one of the most important things you can have when you're looking for a role in the nonprofit sector. If you've never volunteered, if you don't know anything about kind of Charlotte and what's happening in our community, and you want a job at an organization like Share Charlotte, it's just not going to be a good fit. You can't force someone to learn to care about community. And so that interest and excitement and um, just desire to learn and grow with the nonprofits that we partner with is really, really important. And then you have to be a creative problem solver, period. You don't have to have a lot of experience doing so. You don't have to have really formal training or methodology. But if there's a problem on the table and you can navigate through it with a couple of creative solutions and you're not afraid to try them and fail miserably and then pick it back up and try something else, right, and then succeed, that's really important too. So uh, if I had a cool way to, you know, put a problem in front of someone in an interview and say, help me get from this point to this point, not the normal straight line, right, but the creative um, squiggly line that seems to be the way that nonprofits solve problems would be one of the other things that would be really important for somebody who is coming into the nonprofit community. And then uh, one book that you would encourage any nonprofit leader to read uh, while maybe he or she might have some more time these days, uh, what would they read? So many. Uh, We're actually working on a blog post right now that will have a list of resources especially about racial inequality for people to kind of jump in, right? Because there's so many people that have reached out and said, where do I start? And so educating yourself about current state is really important. Um, I'm going to choose Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. I heard him speak at Davidson University last year, I believe. And um, one of the under- – and I've read his book, of course, and seen the movie. One of the underlying themes is proximity, and that really stuck with me that you have to get close to a person or an issue to truly even begin to understand what that is and therefore help be an agent of change. And so this applies in every single aspect of our nonprofit work. If you want to influence any kind of change but you aren't close enough to the 
issue or problem to understand it, you're not going to be really effective. And then, of course, its central theme of inequity, specifically in the criminal justice system, is you know imperative for everyone to understand right now um, as as a beginning of a path forward for our country. So this book has those two themes of proximity and really breaks down um, the inequity in not just the criminal justice system, but for race in America for hundreds of years. And so it's a really great book. And again, if you are feeling lazy and you want to just watch the movie, um, the movie follows pretty closely with the book. So you get a lot more, of course, from the book about um, the legal aspects of things. But either way, it's a really great way to spend, I think, um, some time during this time. And you are a native of Cleveland, correct? I am. Now, Cleveland people are highly loyal to their city. But, I mean, do you love Charlotte more than Cleveland at this point? Or or where (laughs) are you with that? it's different. So I was a a kid in Cleveland, right? I moved to Charlotte in 2001. I was 22 years old. just graduated from Ohio University. So my entire adult life has been here in Charlotte. I married a Charlottean, a unicorn, if you will. His whole family, all his friends are here. So I've felt probably more... Um, assimilated into the South. I started to say y'all really soon after I moved here than um, maybe I did with Cleveland. I will always have a heart for Cleveland. Always be a Browns fan despite everyone's um, shock that that can even be possible. But my heart's really in this community now since I just know it so much better than I ever knew my hometown of Cleveland. Yeah. Well, we're, we're glad you're here. We're glad Cher is here. And, and what else? How can people connect with Cher? What do we need to know uh, moving forward. Yeah, so thank you for asking. So visit our website, sharecharlotte.org, of course, and follow us on social media. Um, it's really, that's the best place that we can tell the stories of our nonprofit community. Our channels essentially dedicated to all of their content. So we follow 450 nonprofits so that you all don't have to. So if you, sh- if you follow our channels, you'll see important community conversations. We're always promoting events and places that you can go and learn. We're talking about tough stuff, especially right now. And we have several times a year, we have really fun promotions that are easy ways to connect with the nonprofit community. We publish all that through our channels as well. So um, just visiting our website and following us on social media is a great place to start. Even if you don't take any action now, you're just kind of shopping for what cause you might care about or what organization you might want to connect with when connecting with organizations in person is a thing again. Mm-hmm. It's just a really great, easy, fun place to start. Thank you. Yeah, Amy, thanks so for chat. Yeah, thanks for being here with us. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. And um, I'm so glad that you guys are elevating important conversations like this during this time. Well, thanks for joining us today. I hope today's episode was encouraging for you as it was for us. So be sure to join us for the next episode of the Atlas Leadership Podcast. 